Hello and welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the collision of original and sample tracks and the artists who made them. I'm your host, Joe Watson. I'm here with my... I don't even know what to say. I'm just honestly <laughs> told I'm disappointed in you today. Why is that, man? Because we had full access to Girl Scout cookies, and you patently <laughs> refused to have any, specifically a Samoa, before going on the air. And I just think that's that's mm. almost un-American. There is this thing called, this is Donut Shop, okay? It's yeah. called Love, was it Love, Peace, and Little Donuts? They okay. do a Samoa donut. I've had my share okay. of the whole Samoa just, feel. Just not before the show. Just not before the show, man. That's all I'm saying. Well, regardless, I'm happy you're here, so thanks. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate it. So together on the show, we listen to legendary tracks and the timeless but sometimes not so well-known songs that they sampled from. All right, my non-Samoan friend, what are we listening to? <laughs> this is a track called Be Careful from Cardi B. Let's hop into the DeLorean and find out what track was sampled to produce this hit. Rewind. This is the song X Factor from Lauryn Hill, off of her 1998 debut solo album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. So there is a lot to unpack with Miss Hill, so why don't we just dive right in? Absolutely. Lauryn Hill was born on May 26, 1975. Hey, that's my daughter's birthday. Happy birthday. Right? There you go. Love it. Happy birthday. Her family was a musical one. Her mom played the piano and her father sang. And the musical influence inside the Hill home obviously rubbed off on Lauren at a very young age. Absolutely. Well, there's appreciating music, and then there's being able to do it, right? Yeah. Totally different thing. Absolutely. Lauren was obviously blessed with the ability to do both, but that's not to say she didn't have some challenges. So true. She performed the Star Spangled Banner at her middle school and did such a good job that the recording of her rendition was played at subsequent games. Well, Lauren was so inspired that she decided to take her talents to the amateur night at the Apollo, and then this happened. I treat you bad Whoa. 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 Didn't see that coming. Wow. Wait, okay. So hold on here. She's So she's singing Smokey Robinson's Who's Loving You, and it, it sounds like she's getting booed. First of all, I thought they had a rule about booing children at the Apollo. And look, man, I understand life comes at you fast, but that's kind of ridiculous. I totally agree. Apparently, those Apollo rules were on sabbatical. And in fact, man. this actually might have been the reason. This event might have been the reason why those rules were actually yeah, put in place. Yeah, because that's right? cold. She's it 13. Is cold. 13 years old. Well, props to her. I mean, she kept it together on stage, but reportedly cried backstage. Yeah, I and would I, too. Yeah, I hate hearing stories about stuff like this. But in this event, it did, it looks like it made her stronger. Yeah, clearly. It, it, yeah, it was fuel of some kind. She then attended Columbia High School and was pretty active. She was cheerleader, track team, founded the gospel choir, took violin, dance, acting lessons, you name it. She was in it, Tobe. 
I mean, with that type of schedule, I mean, that just makes me tired just thinking about it. Uh, in high school, she was also asked to join a band, the Translator Crew. And this group was actually founded by a classmate. His name was Procrizel Michelle. I guess I'm saying that name right. I'm hoping I am. I have no uh, idea. A.K.A. Praz. So Lauren joined the group, and soon after, Praz's cousin, dude by the name of Wyclef Jean, joined oh, as I've well. i heard of that guy. Yeah, Wyclef, pretty yeah. talented. Talented musician, could play several instruments, and which certainly helped shape the sound of their music in the coming years. Well, eventually, they changed their name to The Fugees and released their debut album, Blunted on Reality, in 1994. Kind of flew under the radar a little bit. It only actually sold 12,000 copies in the first couple of years after its release. But it did gain favorable reviews and started to showcase Lauren's skills as both a singer and an MC. Well, let's listen to a track that demonstrates her flow. This is Some Seek Stardom by the Fugees. Some seek they keep their pockets full, but their souls run empty. Well, ain't your family, I beseech you, in the hopes that I may reach you. My mother taught me one day that judgment they would come someday. Born a dark black child with kinky hair, grown wise, and teachers just like me. Cause I knew where my cup should be. So now you're my brief history. I can't neglect my passion. See, rock is kind of new to me cause my true love was poetry. Right, was good and that was Yeah, she's, she's dope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's, she's, she's really good. But I'm, I'm going to be honest, all right? I didn't buy this album, but I do remember watching Rap City on BET. And the song that really stood out for me during this time period, you know, for this album was the Nappy Heads remix. That was a song they had on their album. Uh, and it was produced by an all-star producer by the name of Salam Remy, who's also worked with the likes of Nas, Amy Winehouse, Miguel, Eve, and Bounty Killer. The Nappy Heads remix reached 49 on the Billboard charts. So let's take a listen to that. I don't puff blood, so I always got my breath. Never had to battle with a bulletproof. They call me cockweasel, but I still came for chess. I don't wear Jerry girls, cause I'm not from the West. Don't disrespect to the West, true indeed. I rock it to the East, the East to see. The seed of them days back, your sheep's gets in hot tracks. Peace to Mr. Magic, things are getting tragic. Now we on some new stuff, I never fit the clue clucks. My own clan is acting up, I blame it on the Philly club. What's your crew to do? Kids are acting, ooh, and it's getting better. Your ass Brings back memories, man. Yeah, I can tell you. You're grooving back there. Actually, this one uh, straight up reminded me of Sublime's 1996 hit, What I Got, because it samples that same bulletproof vest line. So let's take a quick listen to that. Plus, it's, we're, we're almost full on spring here. So this is, hmm. to me, this is like a summer song, right? Apropos. 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 It's a happy tune. It's Sublime. <laughs> oh, well done. How you like that, Eric? <laughs> if you can make the engineer laugh, you're doing a good job. <laughs> you're doing all right. So Lauren has stated that she patterned her style after male rappers like Ice Cube rather than female MCs like salt and Pepper and MC Light. So I think these bars are kind of a good example of that. Yeah, the Fugees may not have had a huge success with their debut album, it's something they, they really attributed to letting outside producers have too much control. But they more than made up for it with their second release, and that was called The Score. The members of the band took a more prominent role in the writing and the production of The Score. I'd say that plan worked. You think? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the album Six Times Platinum hit number one on both the Billboard 200 and the hip-hop and R&B charts. Yeah, the second single was called Killing Me Softly. It was a huge hit for the Fugees, and it reached number one on multiple charts in numerous countries. Let's take a listen to that. And there he was, this young boy, stranger to my 
one time. time. Yeah. <laughs> this song also taught me to count. Two time, two time. It's like Gwen Stefani taught me how to spell banana. Yeah. This song taught me how yeah. to count. Yeah, you're right. You're right. See, music can't teach. <laughs> And then we got the little sitar coming up. A little Benita Applebaum right there, there right? <laughs> so what's weird is I had always thought that Roberta Flack wrote this tune, since I think her version, to me, is the most well-known version besides this one. But turns out that's not the case. Apparently, this song was inspired by Don McLean, of all people. Uh, Don McLean? Yeah. The, like the Don McLean? The Don, yeah. Okay, l- l- let's take a listen. To American Pie. Oh. <laughs> Started singing bye bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, to the levee was shy. And the doodle boys were drinking whiskey no. and singing, This will be the day that okay, I no. die. This will be the day that I die. Okay, look, I knew you were going to do this to me. Oh, no, okay, now the, the studio gyrations, that's too much. Man! I knew we were going to have to play right this here, track. Boys. Look, uh, can I just say, I, I appreciate the historical, the cultural significance of this song, but God, am I allowed to say that I, d- I despise all eight and a half minutes of it? You are allowed to say that. First of all, let me say this. I didn't know the song was eight and a half minutes long. I enjoy every little bit of it. Okay. Well, good for you. I mean, as does the rest of the world, yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what is beautiful about art. You know, you can like what you like and not like what you don't like. You know, that that's what makes it beautiful and fun. Yeah. All right. Okay. To be fair, it's just that song. I actually never heard any of other any other Don McLean stuff, and I, I can certainly appreciate some of it. The song Killing Me Softly was actually inspired by the Don McLean song, Empty Chairs. So singer-songwriter Lori Lieberman attended a Don McLean concert in the early 70s. She was actually entranced by the performance and especially moved by the song called Empty Chairs. Now, let's give that a listen. Moonlight used to bathe the contours of your face Wild chestnut hair fell all around the pillowcase and the fragrance of your flowers rest beneath my head. A sympathy bouquet left. All right, to give a little bit of love back to Don McLean, mm-hmm. listening to this, I just got a little few goosebumps there. So it's it's just that song. This is the, yeah, it's a beautiful track. And Lieberman was so inspired that she actually started jotting down the beginnings of some some lyrics, including the whole "killing me softly" line. And she gave those notes to songwriters Norman Gimbel and Charles Fox, and then they turned it into the song. Lieberman released the original version on her debut album, also called Lori Lieberman, in 1972, but it never charted. Uh, but let's listen to her version. And there he was, this young boy, a stranger to my eyes, strumming my pain with his fingers. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. You know what? This is what I'll say. I love this story of how this song came to be because I've listened to other songs and it's been one line that stands out so much, inspires inspires you to write. 
And even though this song didn't chart, right, even though it didn't chart, it certainly had one huge fan, right, obviously one big fan. Roberta Flack heard the song on an airplane and was immediately struck by it, right? She called Quincy Jones and asked to arrange a meeting with Charles Fox so she could get the music. So... She and her band heard it. She didn't record it until much later, right? Well, I don't know about much later, but let's just say later. She didn't record it until later. And it turns out Marvin Gaye had a lot to do with that. Yeah, it's a really cool story. So she was—Roberta Flack was actually opening for Marvin in 1972. Okay, can we stop there? That yeah. is that a concert? Yeah, I, I would I would like to see that show, please. <laughs> I mean, is that a concert? Does anybody have uh, a tape? Hey, listen, if you have video of please this concert— Please, send it to us. Send it to us. I'm sorry, sir. No, that's uh, absolutely. But <laughs> she had just finished up her encore when he's like, hey, perform another song, which, again, I'm good with that. Just, yeah. keep, just keep going. Keep jamming. So she said, um, well, you know, I got this song. I've been working on it. It's called Killing Me Softly. And he said, do it, baby. And, <laughs> and she's like, I did it. And the audience went crazy. And he walked over to me and put his arm around me and said, baby, don't ever do that song again live until you record it. Mm. Marvin was a smart man. So, Roberta Flack's version of Killing Me Softly spent five weeks at number one and won the 1973 Grammy for Record of the Year and Best Pop Vocal Performance, Female. Gimbal and Fox also earned the Song of the Year Grammy. Let's listen to Roberta Flack's version of Killing Me Softly. And there he was, this young boy, a stranger to my eyes, strumming my back with his finger. Can you say effortlessly singing? Oh. It just floats. Like, the whole thing just floats in this ethereal plane. Eric, you should be waving your hands right now. Hands off the keyboards, my friend. Start waving them around. Raise your cell phones. Put your cell phones in the air. <laughs> beautiful. Very, yeah, very beautiful. Well, Lauryn Hill and the Fugees then covered Roberta's version for their album, The Score, but that wasn't their only hit from that album. They also covered Bob Marley's No Woman, No Cry, which also reached number one on multiple charts. Let's give it a spin. So dry your tears, I say, until my peeps who passed away. No woman, no cry. No woman, no cry. So you said six times platinum, huh? Six times, yeah. This, I think a large reason for that, they had so much for, had a little bit for everyone. You yeah, know, on this, yeah, absolutely. The song diversity kind of shows that. You know what also I find interesting about this song and Lauryn Hill in particular? What's that? Well, a guy by the name of Vincent Ford was alleged to have written this song for Bob Marley. And I say alleged because many suspect that Marley himself wrote it and only gave away the songwriting credit because he wanted Ford to receive the royalties so he could support himself. Wow, talking about giving it back. That's awesome. I mean, it's a cool story, but how does that relate to Lauryn Hill? Well, Lauren actually took the exact opposite approach to her song rights. No, yeah. She apparently became so concerned with ownership that she makes everyone sign off on her being the sole songwriter and producer to her material, regardless of any help from other musicians. And she feels like it's the best way to protect herself, I guess. I guess. I mean, look, I understand that to a certain degree. There's certainly a lot of folks in the music industry ready, ready and waiting to take advantage of you. Although generally, I don't feel like other musicians are of that ilk. But I, I personally appreciate Marley's approach. You know, I can't help but think of the immortal words of 
Anthony Kiedis. Do it. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. <laughs> yes, yes. It seems to me that you'll have more coming back to you eventually. Yeah, I like that sentiment, buddy. So before we move on with Lauryn Hill and her solo career, can we talk for a second about another Bob Marley tune, Buffalo Soldier? Now, I can't quite put my finger on it, but this part right here reminds me of some childhood moments in front of the tube. Let's take a listen. So, Tobe, I think I know why that is. Do you remember a certain show we used to watch as kids back in the day called The Banana Splits? You mean the one with the beagle, the gorilla, mm-hmm. and a couple other animals yeah. and oversized costumes riding around in dune buggies? One banana, two banana, three bananas. <laughs> yeah, oh, funny. my God. Oh, my God. Yes. So that show was actually syndicated until about 1982, uh, right in our Saturday morning cartoon wheelhouse. The song you just, thank you for doing that, by the way, <laughs> is actually entitled the Tra-La-La song. Wow. And believe it or not, it cracked the Billboard 100 okay, in now, 1969. So, uh, so, in 19, so let me just say this. Listen, all artists that were around and producing in 1969, you should be ashamed. You failed. You failed, <laughs> you failed immensely. That was a terrible year, apparently. If I had wine for that year, I'd throw it out right now. But everything was bad in that year. That's terrible. So, but what does this song have to do with, with Marley's song, Buffalo Soldier? Let, let's talk about that. I'm just, I'm just going to leave this right here for you, buddy. Please. Yeah, wait for it. <laughs> wow. Wow, that just happened. <laughs> I think somebody actually did like a mini documentary trying to figure out if Marley had actually heard the Banana Splits theme song before recording Buffalo Soldier. Only in his nightmares, my friend. <laughs> Only in his nightmares. Okay, that's all I have to say. We ain't ain't jamming to that no more. We're done. No. (laughs) Get up. Stand up, people. All right, so back to Lauryn Hill, who, after the score and all the success with the Fugees, decided to embark on his solo career. Right. So despite only putting out two albums, MTV ranked the Fugees as the ninth greatest hip-hop group of all time. Maybe that's in part due to the success that Wyclef Jean and Lauryn Hill had as solo artists. All right, let's talk about Lauryn's brief but impactful solo career. Her debut solo album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, was released in August of 1998 to critical and commercial acclaim. The album featured collaborations with D'Angelo, Carlos Santana... Mary J. Blige, and then the unknown, at the time, John Legend. Yeah, Miseducation was a phenomenal success by any measure. It topped the Billboard 200 for four weeks, sold 12 million copies worldwide, and garnered Ms. Hill 10 Grammy nominations. She went on to win five of those Grammys, becoming the first woman to win that many in one night. That's, that's incredible, That's dude. a good night. That's, yeah. Let's take a listen to the best-selling single from the Miseducation album, Doo-Wop, That Thing. Can I tell you how happy I was when I first heard this song? I believe it. Elated. 
You know what else I just was hearing too, which is cool, is that some people harmonize really well with their own voice. Yeah. And both Gladys, obviously, because Gladys can harmonize with anybody, especially herself. But I feel like Lauren Hill does a really nice job of that too. Agreed. Despite its success, Miseducation was the only solo album that Lauren Hill released, besides a much maligned MTV unplugged live album. Mm. You remember that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Lauren has also had her fair share of controversy. Some deserved, some not. So why don't we clear the air on a few things? First, okay. I want to address the most ridiculous allegation that she made a comment along these lines. Quote, I would rather have my children starve than have white people buy my albums. That never happened. She never said that. Yeah, correct. This has been debunked multiple times. You know, what she actually said was she feels a responsibility to support young African-American women. She says there are a lot of young black girls who I meet in my travels who don't have a lot of self-esteem. So if I communicate to them that they are beautiful and no white person should find fault in that, it doesn't mean that young white girls aren't beautiful because they are just as beautiful. It amazes me how things can get so twisted and take on a life of their own without any kernel of truth. All right, let's tackle another one. And this one, this one's a little trickier. Back in 2016, Lauren showed up late for a concert in Atlanta. Well, yeah, look, we all run a little behind schedule. What's the big deal here? Well, in this case, a little behind schedule means two hours late. Well, I sure hope the opener was Roberta Flack and she got some extended <laughs> showtime. If, if she was Roberta Flack, it'd be like, yo, Lauren, you killing me out here <laughs> right. softly, softly and loudly. <laughs> Well, a couple of other issues here. First, the venue had a strict curfew, okay, which meant that she finally did show up, and afterwards she was only able to perform for about 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Fans are not generally not happy with that. Just, uh, just ask Axel Rose how that goes down. <laughs> yeah, not well. So perhaps fans would have been a little bit more forgiving had Lauren not seemed a little flippant about the whole thing. So she posted a message on Facebook that contained this snippet. The challenge is aligning my energy with the time taking something that isn't easily classified or contained and trying to make it available for others. I don't have an on and off switch. So Mm. so, so let me say this. Yeah. Because in the mix of all of these, these, uh, you know, events that have happened to Lauren, there is an underlying issue, and that's one of the reasons why the Fugees are probably never going to do another album together. And that would be one of alleged mental illness, right? I'm not going to say it's been, you know, know, whatever, but I know that Wyclef and Praz have both said, like, hey, we're not doing another album until she gets help. We didn't really talk about it, but there was this whole phase where she was hanging out with some guy named Brother Anthony that kind of messed with her head. And so, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people in her circle that have kind of alluded to that, and it, it's sad, you know? It is, definitely. So, well, let's get back to the story about that Atlanta show. Yeah, so obviously that message didn't go over well. I think the first thing she said actually was uh, uh, she blamed her driver. And right. it was pretty clear that that wasn't true. <laughs> so... I could see how this rubs people the wrong way. And you know what? Who else don't you want to rub the wrong way? Not Johnny Gill. I tell you that right <laughs> well, that, now. That's a whole different thing, buddy. Try again. <laughs> what, Suge Knight? You don't want to rub him the wrong <laughs> well, way either. Uh, no, uh, that's true. But actually someone even scarier than Suge Knight. Than Suge? Yeah, the tax man. Oh, 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 yeah, that's a fact. So apparently Lauren did not get that memo because she did a three-month stint in a low-security prison for tax evasion. Mm. So somehow she forgot to uh, pony up for the $1.8 million she earned between 2005 and 2007. Wow, I think uh sounds like she and Wesley Snipes shared the same accountant. Yeah, something, something like mm. that. All right, well, let's take one more listen to our first featured track, X Factor. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
It's been widely speculated that this song, along with many others on the album, was written about her relationship with Wyclef Jean. And obviously those opening lyrics kind of set the tone for the whole song. Right, right. And and those first couple of lines are also a direct nod to the Wu-Tang song uh, that X Factor actually samples, which is entitled, Can It All Be So Simple? Now, we'll get more into that crazy sample train in our bonus material, but for now, let's move on to our next feature track, song called Be Careful by Cardi B. There's that line again. <laughs> so, with the way that these lyrics are going, it makes me wonder, are these songs about White Clef as well or what? <laughs> that, that's, that's what's got me wondering. Yeah, no. Uh, actually, this one is about a relationship with the rapper Offset. With She actually married him, so I guess things got figured out, but seems like there's also back and forth. Tobe, give me a little background on Cardi B. All right, so Cardi B's real name is Belcalis Almanza, and she was born in the Bronx in 1992. That just made me feel really old right there. <laughs> That's really old, okay? Uh, so her, what were you doing in 92? Graduating from mm-hmm. high school. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was doing. So uh, her Cardi B moniker is a kind of a nickname taken from Bacardi Rum. And she had a rough go of it, you know, growing up, spending a lot of time in gangs and also dealing with the problems of poverty and domestic violence. But she started to make a name for herself on social with a lot of her videos going viral. She channeled all of that into a breakout role in the VH1 show Love & Hip Hop New York in 2015. And from there, it's pretty much been a steady climb to the top of the charts. Her first official single, Bodak Yellow, was released in 2017. Let's give that a spin. I might just chill in some babe. I might just chill with your boo. I might just spill on your babe. My feel like a lake. He want to swim with his face. I'm like, okay. I let him get what he want. He buy me East and Laurent and the new wave. So, Bodak Yellow went seven times platinum and held the top spot of the Billboard 100 for three weeks. Cardi B became the first female rapper to top the charts with a solo single since 1998. And if you've been paying attention, Joe, I think you know what that was. I do. That would have been doo-wop, that thing, from our first featured artist, Lauryn Hill. That's a, that's a pretty cool connection. Agreed. So Cardi B's debut album, entitled Invasion of Privacy, was released in April of 2018. And the album charted at number one, and there were so many accolades, I don't have time to list them all. Let's just say that all 13 tracks from the album were certified gold or higher. Every song from the album. Every song. That's got to be a record of some kind. That's crazy. Well, the one thing we'll say is it definitely wasn't 1969. Because Tralala would have knocked her right off the charts. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, there's definitely no filler on this one. Let's take a listen to I Like It, one of those singles that went to number one on the charts. Yeah, they call me Cardi B. I run this like Cardi. Yeah, I like this song. So you like I Like It? Yeah, I like I Like It. That's good. 
Also, this track, I like it, actually samples a 1966 track from Pete Rodriguez entitled I Like It Like That. Let's take a listen to that. Do me a favor, honey. Go someplace and It's a good one to sample. Yeah, you <laughs> might go number one if you sample that one, right? <laughs> so shortly after the success of I Like It, another collaboration hit number one on the charts. This one with Maroon 5, track you, you might have heard before, maybe once or twice, Girls Like You. Once or twice in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't think you can turn on the radio without hearing this track. Mm, no. Yeah. I mean, it's Maroon it's 5 on, it's on Cardi B. Yeah, All you, the time. Yeah, it is. It's a good track. So Cardi B and Lauryn Hill both exploded onto the scene with enormous success. Lauryn made a conscious effort to remove herself from the spotlight, and it's, honestly, it's probably too soon to know the staying power of Cardi B, but she's certainly on her way, right? Yeah. Uh, but there are a couple of female icons that have enduring musical legacy that spans generations. Now, we're talking about Barbara Streisand and Gladys Knight. These two women can be called the divas of divas. Yeah, that's, that's true. So for our bonus material, let's take a look at the connection between these two and their unlikely connection to the Wu-Tang Clan and our featured artists Lauryn Hill and Cardi B. Perfect. All right, let's start with the 1973 single from Barbara from the album of the same name, The Way We Were. Smiles we gave to one another. This also sounds like it should be in a Bond film. Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to go Roger Moore. That's a whole different kind of Bond film. Can it be that it was so simple then? Sing it, Barbara. So, The Way We Were was actually written for the movie, also of the same name, that stars Streisand and Robert Redford. Now, that is, if that's not a power that's a couple, cast. Yeah. man. So, once again, we have a thematic connection to our feature track, X Factor and Be Careful. This song is also about a failed relationship. Yeah, there's a lot of songs about failed relationships. I'm telling you, man, this is a sad episode. <laughs> that's what it is. Be in, careful. In, 19, <laughs> in 1974, Gladys Knight and the Pips released a cover of The Way We Were on their album, I Feel a Song. Their version charted in the top 10 on both the adult contemporary and the R&B charts. So let's give that a listen. Oh, what does it seem that the We're going to let Gladys preach for a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. We look back and we think the winters were warmer. The grass was greener. God, even just talking that woman's the voice. The skies were bluer. <laughs> Goodness. Smiles were... Can it be that it was all so simple then? Mm. Or has time rewritten every line? And if we had the chance to do it all again, tell me. Man, if you think I got goosebumps for Don McLean, mm. imagine what Gladys did. Mm. 
So 20 years later, RZA sampled Gladys' cover of The Way We Were for the Wu-Tang song, Can It All Be So Simple? Let's take a listen to that. Now we get to our first feature track, Lauryn Hill's X Factor, which samples that breakbeat from Can It Be All So Simple? Let's hear that. Slow it down. And I'm pretty sure they interpolated that. Oh, they did? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. They didn't just lift it? Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Let me tell you, the first time I heard this song, I knew right away what she sampled, especially since she wasn't trying to hide it with her first line. And as a hip-hop fan, it got me excited. Because here we go with another generation. Right. You know, it was an R&B singer. We sampled that to give us a rap song. And now we sampled a rap song to give us an R&B track. Stop it. Right. Stop it. So it was, it was beautiful. So finishing the connection, we have Cardi B's sample of X Factor for Be Careful. So we can connect the dots from Barbra Streisand to Gladys Knight to Wu-Tang Clan to Lauryn Hill to Cardi B. Now, that is my friend, is about 50 years. That's so cool. I n- That's amazing. I never get tired of these connections. So there's one more big sample of Lauryn Hill's X Factor that we haven't even mentioned. This one was also a huge hit from 2018. Let's put that challenge out to the listeners. Hit us up on social media and give us the answer and let us know if you'd like us to do a future episode with that artist. The first correct answer will get a shout-out from us on a future episode. And you could tweet the show at Riffs on Riffs Yo or find us on Instagram at Riffs on Riffs. And if you want to reach me directly, you can find me at Haiku575, spelled H-E-I-K-U, and connect with Joe at Son Watts. That's S-O-N-O-W-A-T-S. So we absolutely love hearing from our listeners. And also, guess what, Tobe? We're going to be getting excited about the next episode. What is that going to be? Have you ever played whack-a-mole games at the carnival? Oh, yeah. Okay. We going on location for our next episode? No. Jules, I, I brought up to Jules. She said, she said absolutely no. Huh? no. Yeah, she, she wouldn't allow that. She's a that. taskmaster. A- ain't one. she, though? Well, you got to give her Girl Scout cookies. Then, then things get better. No Samoas, though. <laughs> Ruins the show. <laughs> so we are going to bring down the sledgehammer because that's what you have to do when the weasel goes pop. Okay. That sounds right. like fun. Maybe yeah. a little wee bit of carnage. That's good. All right. In the meantime, we're going to take you out with some more recent work from Lauren Hill. In 2015, she worked on the Netflix documentary of Nina Simone. What happened, Miss Simone? Lauren contributed six tracks, including this cover of one of my all-time favorites, Feeling Good. We hope you are feeling good. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next time on Riffs on Riffs. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. Woo! And I'm feeling good. Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer, Julie Fink. And audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. You can listen to more episodes of Riffs on Riffs by finding us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or visit evergreenpodcasts.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. I'm your host, Joe Watson. And I'm Toby Braswell. 
Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. Peace. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.